Father, we thank you for uh, loving us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, that we might be forgiven and have the gift of eternal life. Uh, thank you for uh, being a covenant-keeping God, a God who is abounding in steadfast love with grace and mercy toward us. And we just uh, ask that you be with us at this time. Would you uh, speak to our hearts? Would you edify us and uh, teach us what you will? on uh, this passage this morning. We pray this all in Christ's name, amen. It's a small class today. Very heavy on the right side here. <laughs> left side a little bit light, but that's okay. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, so we're doing, uh, we're studying the Psalms. Last week, uh, Matt kicked off the study. And uh, this week, uh, we're gonna continue. I thought I would just share for a few minutes uh, how I selected this psalm. Uh, Matt was asking us uh, to choose a psalm that we were close to, that we really liked, our favorite, whatever. And uh, or another uh, criteria was if it was a certain season of your life that was dri driving you or, you know, connecting you to a particular psalm. So uh, about three weeks ago, a colleague of mine that I worked with in the VA, he passed away. And um, he was uh, a little bit older than me. And somehow, whenever uh, someone I know, uh, a colleague, a friend, a family member passes, it kind of gets my attention. And somehow, I always kind of want to coming back to this psalm. So when I went to sign up on, on the sheet for a date, I was looking for dates that were going to be convenient with me. And um, none of them were there except for today. And today was not going to be a great uh, day for me to uh, try to lead, lead the Sunday school class because this past week I was with Pastor Matt, Rob Steele down in Memphis at the General Assembly. That's the denominational gathering of our, of our denomination. Uh, almost 3,000 people gathering down in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, interesting. Uh, before, the, before we went down, we had a session meeting, and this was the one Sunday that Matt was going to be away, and he was not going to be able to stand in and, and fill in and, and cover a psalm. And we had this session meeting, and I'm looking around at the elders, and uh, I'm retired, so I just kind of raised my hand. I said, okay, I guess I'm going to wind up the leading a discussion on the psalm that I had in mind. And it was Psalm 90. And... What happened down in Memphis was, was kind of interesting because we had several worship services, which is part of our uh, practice. Whenever we have presbytery meetings, whenever we have worship, whenever we have any kind of a general assembly, we have worship services. The opening worship service had a call to worship based on Psalm 90. <laughs> so I said, okay, maybe I did choose the right Psalm and I guess I am supposed to lead a discussion on this. And uh, what was really uplifting was uh, the hymn that followed was Our God, Our Help in Ages Past, which is inspired by Psalm 90. So here we are. We're, we're going we're gonna to cover Psalm 90. If you have Bibles, keep them open to Psalm 90. And uh, we're going to uh, discuss this and dive into it. Uh, I like the framework that, that Matt provided last week. It makes, it makes the discussion a lot easier to, to manage. So we're going to discuss the, uh, the images, let me, just so I don't forget them. There's first the setting, 
the images, any repetition, theology, and then any promises that are given in the psalm. So let's, uh, I'll read that out loud to you, and then we'll, we'll begin our discussion. And then I'm going to stop talking because I'm going to count on you people to help me out and fill in the blanks here. So let's, let's begin this. Uh, you know what? I want to get this opening line correct, and I forgot to put in what I printed out. Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So if you just came in, we're doing Psalm 90. You're going to need to have that open so you can help me out with this discussion. So the first question, of course, is what is the setting? Is there any occasion for this psalm, historical background that affects our interpretation or any other applicable information that can help us in seeing deeply what is uh, being communicated in this psalm. Grant. Yes. He's the author, and we know a lot about Moses. Okay? Also, uh, he's... Uh, the title is The Man of God, a very distinct title. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Matt was preaching on Numbers 12, and we saw how important Moses was. Aaron and Miriam were contesting that maybe they should be uh, part of the leadership team, and God uh, basically told them off, <laughs> right? That uh, he speaks to Moses face to face, not in dreams. So that's an important distinction. Uh, so what else? What about Moses? So, okay, that this is written by Moses, what, is that, what does that tell us? What, what, is, what kind of additional information 
about Moses we have. He's very close to God, right? Okay. Uh, yes, yes. So, like, when do you think this was written? Okay, and what was the occasion, do you think? I'm pulling out of it. That's right. <laughs> okay, uh, you need some help. Exodus 33, verse 1. Uh, Israel has been wandering in the wilderness 40 years. They're about to go into the land, and Moses is not going to be allowed to go in. And in Exodus chapter 33, uh, he gives his final blessing to them. And he goes through each of the tribes, and they each get a blessing. And at the very end, in verse 27, does anyone have Exodus 33 open by any chance? I think it's verse 27. Uh, what? Uh, uh, Deuteronomy 33. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. I should have had two cups of coffee this morning. Deuteronomy 33. Boy, I was really messing you, you up, huh? Um, verse 27. The eternal God is your dwelling place. There's that phrase. And uh, in, in chapter 34, we see that uh, Moses gets to see the land, but does not get to enter the land. Uh, in, oh boy, my eyesight. Verse 5, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and, and he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. So these were his closing remarks, very important remarks that he gave to the nation Israel. That's, that's something to take into consideration. What else about Moses uh, do we know? Say again. Yeah. Yeah. So he wrote this psalm, right? Did he write anything else? David. <laughs> you shouldn't watch too much TV. It's bad for you. <laughs> he wrote the Pentateuch. He wrote the first five books of the Bible, right? So you understand that if he wrote those five books, he knows the history from creation all the way up to the point where Joshua was going to take Israel into the land of Canaan. All that history, that means he wrote all the information we have on the covenants from the beginning, the covenant of creation, the covenant with Adam after he fell, the covenant with Noah when God decided that the world was too evil and he was going to destroy it, and the covenant with Abraham, the promises to Abraham to give him that land and to make him a blessing to the entire world. So Moses wrote this with a lot of information in his mind, in his heart. And so 
when I read this, this psalm, I, I see so much of everything being covered, some declaration, some praises and adoration of God, and some sincere prayers for the, for the blessing of his people. Uh, a tremendous, uh, tremendous background. Um, so that's a very important thing. The background behind this prayer, it's, it's only 17 verses, but it's, it's, a, it's a wealth of information, a wealth of experience. He lived 120 years, and during that time, his sight was undimmed, his mind was still sharp, and he's not like the way we are when we get to be 70 or 80 <laughs> years old. And so there's a lot in this, in this, in this psalm. Okay, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, we did okay with the setting. I think we covered it pretty well. Uh, okay, what about images, imagery, word images? What word pictures does the psalm make use of? How do these pictures help us understand the message? Okay, I'm going to stop. Yep. Yep. I'm going to check these off. Very good, very good. Creation, flood, yes. Very specific things that, that we have a picture of. You know, we, got, we have the, the uh, first, uh, uh, the creation in, in, in Genesis 1, each, what happened each day, what was created each day. And then the flood, of course, when God looked down and he looked on man and said, every intention of the thoughts of their hearts is only evil continually. And he had had it. He said he regretted, he grieved over creating man, which is quite an astounding thing, except for, except for Noah. David. Yeah. Pictures of the passage of time. Uh, we see the, also, I think we see the brevity of, of life uh, represented in how he talks about time, right? This is great. We got three down. Come on, keep going. Yes, that's the first one. Yeah. God is our fortress and our strength. And uh, this is uh, another word, when you think of dwelling places, refuge. We go to him for protection, for security. Okay, what else? Oh, gosh. You guys are killing it. You guys are killing it. That's great. Thank you. He returns men to dust. You know, we, when our spirit leaves this body, the body decays, turns back into dust. All right, uh, Sandy. He gives us God's perspective of time, that basically God is not constrained by time. Since he existed before space and time was created, he is not constrained by time. It's, I, I heard it explained one way, like if you, if you think of a timeline, like this is the beginning of time going this way, and you know, we're born here, and we, we know what goes on from this point on. God stands at the front of the time and the, at the end of time. He looks down and he sees it all. 
in one picture. Yeah. Dave. Okay, very good. All right, well, uh, let me prod you a little bit more. How does God feel toward man? I'm sorry, say that again. Yes, but um, what has, uh, okay, what about uh, the picture of God being angry? The word wrath is mentioned three times in these psalms. And the Bible tells us that God is storing up wrath for unrepentant sinners. So every day they live, they, they sin against God, and God is like checking a mark, going down the list, recording uh, what they've done. The, uh, the picture of an angry God at uh, his people who are sinners. And uh, that that's the reason why... Uh, we, our lives are, are taken from us. That's the reason why we have uh, death, that death has entered. Um, what about this thing about the heart, heart of wisdom? I didn't, I didn't, Scott. Okay, yes, that's good, thank you. Dave. He's an infinite God. He's eternal from everlasting to everlasting. And the fact that our, our iniquities are laid before him on a table, nothing escapes him. Not an action, not a word, not a thought. I mean, uh, you know, when we, we remember what Matt preached a couple weeks ago, you know, Miriam and Aaron are having these conversations, but Miriam first was thinking about, like, hey, why can't we be as, uh, as important as Moses? And God just called him right to the, to the, to the tent and, uh, and uh, confronted them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. But this heart of wisdom is kind of an unusual uh, uh, phrase, isn't it? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and one of the things that, that Moses is praying for here is that his people become aware of their sinfulness. That's the first thing that we need to, uh, you know, grasp. I mean, the gospel is good news, but it starts with bad news, that we're sinners and we're condemned to death and we face eternal judgment. But it has to start with that comprehension of that, and, and Israel 
so far had not done a very good job of, of doing that. They weren't believing God. They didn't believe that God was going to give them that land, and they didn't want to go in and face the, uh, the giants, right? All right, very good. So we've done setting. We've done images that are in Psalm 90. Hi, Rob. Good to see you again. We're doing Psalm 90. Okay, good. All right. Uh, all right, repetition. What words are repeated and emphasized? Tucker, there we go. I was waiting for you to speak up. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, this is bad. I got to move in. Seventy years old ears. I can't hear. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Wrath is mentioned three times. Other other translations they they translated fury. And it's God's reaction to our sinfulness, God's reaction to all the things that we do that are evil. And that's certainly what's emphasized. Rob. Oh, okay. I couldn't. <laughs> Thank you for helping me out. He, that just like. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Pete. Uh, not so much uh, the words themselves, but the thoughts. Uh, yep. Without a doubt, there is a uh, uh, nonstop uh, uh, driver of who we are before the Lord, right? And when we look at understanding the Lord and how us to understand who we are, and we see that we are finite, He is high. Yep. Yep. He's holy and we're not. Exactly. Yeah, very much so. So that gives us that, that stark comparison. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Um, so what else? Any? Okay, oh, I'm sorry. See, I can't, I got to move back now. <laughs> Wish they would motorize this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when we leave these bodies, our spirit goes to the Lord. Now we're asking the Lord to reach down to our bodies uh, while we're here alive and touch our hearts, give us some wisdom. Yep, very much. Good. Gosh, you guys are doing great, but we're, there's still one more word that we have to... Dave? Okay, yep. Yeah. All right, I want, okay, that's, that's true, yep. Uh, let me just move along to the last, okay, maybe Tim is going to check that off. <laughs> Thank you, Tim.
Yeah. There's a, there's a connection between the work of our hands and God revealing his work to us. The interesting thing is uh, Moses is writing this. He has no understanding, no knowledge of the new covenant, the everlasting covenant that we've been studying in Jeremiah, right? That's uh, much later, like, like a thousand years later that uh, the book of Jeremiah was written. But notice he's saying that God must, God must work. You know, um, let your work, God, be shown to your servants. Um, you know, that work that, he, that he's asking for is the work that Christ did on the cross. Moses is looking forward, and he's looking forward dimly, he kind of knows in his heart what is, what is needed, but he doesn't have the details. He doesn't have the establishment of the new covenant that's, that, uh, that Jeremiah speaks of, that we've been studying. Let your work, God, be shown to us. And uh, when, we see, uh, when we see Christ, what happens? We see his glory and we, are, we believe. And that is certainly uh, a, a key word here. And uh, when, when Jesus came, what, what did he say? He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's that connection between our work and the work of Christ on the cross, that we need to be connected to him. We are sinful. We need to be uh, surrendering and, being following, and following the spirit of God to do good, that our works would be good. But also, establish the work of our hands. You know, what do we do in this life that is everlasting? I mean, Dave, go ahead. Yep, early on, yep. Yeah, okay. Uh, that God promises to, to bless us, you know, uh, to a thousand generations, those who uh, believe and repent. All right, well, we've done repetition. We've covered what I had. Anything else on repetition? I think that's, okay, good. All right, now we get to the heavy part. What theology are we uh, being exposed to that we are picking up in this psalm, looking, from, looking at the whole thing as a whole or parts? So what's, what theology? You know, this, this could be very short, one sentence. Like, I'll start it off. God is eternal, okay? What else do we know? Brendan. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Very short. Uh, 70 or 80 years by strength. Okay. Rob. Uh, about the dust again, what? 
yeah, we are we we live shortly. We it's uh it's our lives are short. The time really flies. There, you know, when I when I came to this church in 1997, I looked and there were as many people older older than me as as younger. 25 years later, a lot of people are younger, fewer people are older. And I said, what happened? What happened in the last uh, 25 years? And I look at the, my children; they were in the house, and now they're three of the three of the four are gone. It just is like a like a sigh and like a like a vapor. All of a sudden, the time has just evaporated. And uh, part of our wisdom that we should get out of this particular psalm is that time is short. You know, this this time in in the GA just tied in so nicely with you know this study of psalms because. Uh, uh, Wednesday night, uh, Ligon Duncan preached at the worship service. You know, I, I, I knew, knew the name. I'd never heard him preach. And uh, you, you know that recently we lost a couple of pillars in the PCA. And uh, Harry Reader was one of them. Uh, we actually saw Harry Reader and went to a, a seminar that he presented, Embers to a Flame, like, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 years ago, Jay? It was like... But... Uh, Ligon Duncan was uh, in touch with uh, Tim Keller and during his last days, and Tim said to Ligon, he said, Lig, just don't think you have that much time. Don't count on it. That was his last message, and that's, a, that's the message of this psalm, is that we do not know how much time we have, but whatever time it is, it's short, and therefore we should be mindful First of all, recognize our sinfulness, repent of our sin, and then our works might be established following that. Okay. Uh, come on, let's, let's keep going. Um, okay, gosh. Nick, I, I'm going to go to the back of the room, Tim. Nick. <laughs> So, so it's like the physical gift versus the giver, right? You know, we give our children gifts. We, we love them, so we give them gifts. We hope that they love us more than the gifts, but, you know, when they're, when they're younger, they tend to really like, love the gifts. But uh, we should be loving the giver. And uh, Moses was looking to God, you know, Moses was an amazing man. We already see that he's called the man of God. But, but think about this. When he was given the Ten Commandments, he had the courage to express a desire to see God's glory. Lord, show me your glory. <laughs> That's kind of an, an astounding, you know, presumptuous request. Uh, you know, think about it. And, and, and God tells you, you know, you can't see me. If you see me, you'll die because I'm holy and you're not. But, but God did 
answer his request by giving, letting, letting him see the, the afterglow, if you will. Rob, you know, what, what was it? The, uh, his, his, uh, he passed by and he saw his, his back end, right? Wasn't that it? Okay. Um, so he did get, a, get an answer to his request. And it, it, you know, radiated his face, you know, after that. Uh, he was an astounding man. He, he looked to God, and when he says, Lord, you are our dwelling place, he is the, he's the one who really saw God and desired him. He desired his presence. He saw the presence in, in the cloud of fire, the cloud of, uh, of smoke. Wow, gosh. Uh, and he's the one who really uh, was, was God's man. And, uh, yep. Yeah that we would desire God more than the gifts. But there is going to be a, a new Jerusalem. There's going to be a new dwelling place for us. And God has promised that. And uh, it's going to be a glorious city, a celestial city. So, uh, yeah, there will be that also. Pete. That's right. That's that's a great great thought. Thank you very much for, for saying that. Um, let me just run down a few of these things, just so we uh, don't lose lose time. So God is eternal. He's holy and righteous. He hates sin. God is a judge, and uh, death is God's judgment of of sinful man. But He's also gracious and merciful. Uh, the key to that is is the verse that says, uh, when, when Moses writes, um, verse 14, when he says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, your unfailing love. Uh, if you do a, a, a word search and you look at uh, steadfast love, it appears many, many times in the Psalms, like hundreds of times. And when you read uh, the verse, verses that contain the phrase steadfast love, it's, it seems to be always associated with God's grace and mercy, and it's also associated with salvation. So when, when Moses says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, he's saying, save us, save us, express your love. And uh, if, if grace and mercy are kind of at the foundation of, of uh, God's love for us, and, if, and it's a pyramid, you know what is at the pinnacle the pinnacle is when, when uh, we, we read, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Christ, giving of Christ, is the epitome of God's expression of love toward us who are sinful. So, yeah, uh, uh, we need forgiveness. God is uh, going to provide that forgiveness. Moses does not have the full picture, but he seeks it. He seeks it that we would have, uh, that we know the work of God that was in, in the future. 
Um, there is joy in a right relationship with God. We must appeal to him. We have learned of his goodness and mercy, and we are proclaiming his good works to all. I think that is uh, part of the, our, our work part, you know, his work, that he would reveal that to us, but the, but the result of that is that our works are, are lasting, and we're called to proclaim the excellencies of, of him who has called us into his, into his light. Um, Moses is praying to save his people. Uh, he's praying to give us wisdom in verses 12 and 16. Uh, he's praying that we would use our time wisely and bless our descendants, verses 12, 16, and 17. He's praying that, uh, that God would have grace and mercy on his people, verse 13. Uh, bless us with, a, with salvation early in life that we may live in joy and gladness. You know how it says, uh, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love? I thought about it. I said, well, why don't you just say satisfy us with your steadfast love? But he's already talked about kind of mourning being the beginning of life. The grass flourishes, and then the heat hits it, and at the end of the day, it, die, it dies. I think there is there's something uh, to coming to faith early, so you have your youth and your energy to serve, serve God. And that is uh, something that is also, maybe it's not dramatically emphasized here, but I, I'm seeing that. Uh, because he's, he's asking for it to come in the morning that we would have uh, uh, this understanding. Um, and when it says that we would find favor, verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Uh, going back to uh, the flood of Noah when God destroyed the world, it was, it was only Noah and his family that found favor in the Lord. Uh, we, we all desire that we would find favor of the Lord and, and we have found it if we uh, put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, guess what? We've done all the things. No, we haven't. So are there promises? Are there promises that are uh, contained in this, this psalm? Thanks for helping me out. <laughs> I mean, I, I think maybe uh, everything that he's kind of explaining here asks for and expects of us. You know, the fact that he asks for the cry of us to bring God to the Lord, the Lord, Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I think it's in uh, one of John's letters, uh, the, uh, the prayers, the faithful prayers of, uh, the prayers of a faithful servant availeth much. Maybe that's King James, but that's all I remember. But um, Moses is, is, is called out to be the man of God right in the first, you know, part of this psalm. And this is what he's praying for. And we, we read this, and we, sh we should, and we, we should see it, the great hope uh, that this is something that's going to be given to us. Now, what followed after Moses' time, you know, the, the Mosaic Covenant, people could not could not meet the requirements of that, could not keep that covenant. The Davidic covenant, they could not. But then the promise of the, uh, the new covenant, the eternal covenant that's in Christ, finally, uh, when God pours out his, his spirit on mankind, that's when we're finally able to, to believe and, and come to faith and when our works can actually be good, that we're saved unto good works. So there is... This whole prayer is, 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 is uh, one of hope, one that, that points us to, to Christ. And, uh, yeah, I think that, I don't know if this really, Pete, any, anything else? Yeah. That, that first verse, is, is, to me, is like so, so loaded. So, again, thinking about Moses being the author of, of all the five, first five books of the Bible, so he, he documents what happened in, in creation. And, and finally, on day six, uh, the creature made in God's image is, is created. And we're dropped into this wonderful universe, this earth that is just exactly the right distance from the sun, uh, with, with plants that provide food. And uh, even the, the sinful, unrepentant, all those uh, generations following the fall, you know, Lamech who, had, who killed a man because he insulted him, and all the evil that, that existed uh, leading up to the flood of Noah, they all lived within God's blessing in it, within his creation. And they're all without excuse. You know, we look at, if we look at Romans uh, 1.18, they're without excuse because what was known about God was clear by what was made. They could see it. They should see it, and they should, they should know God. So they all, the sinful, the unrepentant, and us, we're all living, uh, dwelling in God's uh, refuge, this, this world that he's given, given to us. Tucker. Yep. Um, the other verse, 
Yep. And the fact that he's eternal is, is a promise to us. Uh, when Christ returns, we're going to see him. We're going to be just like him. When, uh, when Peter writes, we're going to become partakers of his divine nature. That divine nature is, is eternality. That, yeah, we have, a, we have a birthday. We have a beginning. But in Christ, we're going to be in the presence of God forever with him. And so that everlasting, everlasting, that's everlasting life that's promised through Christ. Dave. Yeah, like verse 15 says, make us glad for as many days as you have, that we'd be glad uh, that it's, it's actually possible uh, in this fallen state. Yep, okay. All right, thank you. Very good, very good. Um, so, you know, normally I like to have, oh, Jay, go ahead. We should have that mindset. We should, you know, be looking to that uh, that time when Christ returns and uh, we'll be with Him forever. Yep. Uh, okay. Um, so normally I like to have my time free before I, I'm going to stand up and teach Sunday school. And of course, I was busy down in Memphis, uh, but it was just amazing how. Things were happening, and, and I was reading, and I was hearing all things that, that contribute uh, to this, this Sunday school lesson. Uh, I mentioned Ligon Duncan, and, uh, you know, this heart of wisdom kind of gets my attention because, uh, you know, we think of our, our, our minds, our brains having our intelligence and our, and our wisdom, but, but the heart of wisdom is, is, is something that uh, is, is far more important. Uh, we, Matthew says, uh, uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's something, a connection of, of what your mind is set upon, what you value, uh, and it's uh, reflected in the, in the condition of, of your heart, where your heart is, what it's tuned into. And uh, Wednesday night this past week, uh, Dr. Duncan, he was preaching from Ephesians 1, and I'm going to read the whole thing, but... Uh, Notice what it says about the heart. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering Ephesians chapter 1. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So we have this, uh, this concept of heart of wisdom in Psalm 90, and then Paul writes that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. Again, something that is, doesn't make sense immediately. I mean, our hearts don't have eyes. But if our heart believes something, we're going to pursue it. If our heart is set upon something, we're going to pursue it. And so what, what Moses is praying for, that we would come to grips that we're sinners and that we're, we're, we're subject to God's judgment, but that uh, the prayer of Moses is that God's work would be made known to us. And that is talking about the work of Christ on the cross. Um, you know, there's, there's all different ways to to look at this, this, uh, this psalm from Moses' point of view, from us as believers' point of view, but also as, you know, the people who are unsaved, the people who are unrepentant. And uh, so we all have different views what this is saying to them. The people who are unrepentant, God's wrath is being stored up, and God is going to, going to judge them. But when, when Moses asks that uh, the work of our hands be established, you know, Part of that work is, uh, is given to us in 2 Corinthians 5 when we're called the uh, new creation in Christ, that we're ambassadors for him, that the message of reconciliation is ours, that we should proclaim the excellencies of his work that, is give, that gives us eternal life. So uh, that's something I would like to add. Please. Happiness is kind of momentary, yeah, yep, short-lived. And uh, but joy is uh, in here. We see, you know, God is eternal and He's everlasting, He's everlasting. And if we're uh, partakers of His nature, then we're going to be filled with joy. Joy is by His side forevermore. Yep, very good, Scott. All right, well, gosh, we're done early. We could go get coffee. Any other thoughts, any other questions or thoughts from anyone? Okay.
Let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much uh, for your written word that we get to read and we get to be blessed by it. Uh, Lord, we are thankful for Christ. Uh, he died for us that we might live. Uh, his righteousness became our righteousness. Uh, what can we say? Uh, we will uh, praise you and worship you and thank you uh, for all eternity. And we uh, just thank you for this time. We pray that we would uh, be blessed by it, that we would be lifted up by, uh, by Moses' great prayer, which uh, was for his people, but is also for us. Uh, thank you for this time, Lord. Bless us as we enter worship, and uh, we give you all this uh, thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.